Well, after a week off for the Breakdown Pod, because no rugby last weekend, Super Rugby Pacific is now behind us. The first all-black squad is together. It has been selected. Well, they're not together, all of them, of course. A number of them, including coaches, are laid up with COVID. But bottom line, the first test match is tomorrow night, Sir John Kerwin. And we waited and waited. We debated. We discussed. We wondered what the all-black team might look like for the first test match of the year. And I can comfortably say I was very, very wrong. But I didn't know these would be the circumstances where players would be unavailable, where coaches weren't going to be at training. When you saw that first all-black team for the first test match of 2022, what was your initial reaction? Well, as weird as this may seem, mate, I thought of you. Really? (laughs) Yeah, because I always remember. Wow. I could be wrong, but I distinctly remember you saying, I hope they don't play Scott Barrett at six. Is that true or false? That's actually 100% true. And I remember it saying, I remember saying it for a number of different reasons, though. And, and JK, though, let, let's, I'll, I'll be very, very clear, though. It's not that I don't think that Scott Barrett's not a, an outstanding rugby player. I just think he's an international lock. I don't uh, think he's an international six. Uh, well, and, the second the second thing I thought about, look, I, I totally agree with you. So I knew that would be the case. But the second thing I thought about is we still have not got over the hangover of the physicality that we weren't expecting in the semi-final against England. We are still searching for a physical six at the breakdown. And I think we are going to give away a little bit of, and this is, this is no reflection on, on, on Scott of athleticism from a ball carrying point of view for aggression at the ruck. That's how I read it. Now, do I agree? Well, that's that. I think for the first time in my life, I don't have an opinion. I'm going to wait and see, believe that or not. Yeah. Actually, and it's funny I'm a little bit the same as well in terms of I think their hand has been forced a little bit going into this test match. Look, it was almost last man standing in terms of the backs. The only one player who will be asking questions about why they're not possibly involved is Roger Tuovasa-Shek um, on the bench in some way rather than Braden Enel, who didn't make the initial squad. But there's also arguments for that. But, but I tend to agree with you as well, JK, is that I, I want to almost reserve my judgment and go – so clearly you've gone down this path. I now want to see how this group of players reacts to everything that's happened in the last six to eight months, right, of the disappointments of last year, the frustrations maybe of the reaction. All of a sudden you go into a test week, JK, where the coaches haven't been there in, in for, for large chunks of the week, and you've had players ruled out through COVID. And so, you know, you'd normally have Will Jordan playing on the right wing. You'd have David Harvilli in all likelihood, playing at 12. We're not certain of that. But I certainly think when I look at this selection, I've got a sense of how we're going to play. And it's going to be really physical. It's going to be really direct. I think it's almost anticipating, you know what, let's play in the right parts of the field. And let's see if we can muscle up and win a game purely and simply on controlling and negating the opposition. So the line-out line will be strong. Our scrumble should be strong. Um, is this... Is this the right way about going about it for this test match, given what they've had to face in the last 
10 to 12 days. Oh, mate, I think it's a great thing. I think we've been forced into a situation that if we can actually get up and win the series, is going to give this group a shitload of confidence. And I say that because we, the, 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 easy, the easy part of this equation would be status quo, everyone's available, you play your predictable side, and you don't learn anything, right? So we've been forced into a situation where actually we've got to play guys in positions, they've got to be proven, they've got to stand up and be counted for. So I actually think it's a positive. You know, you know what I'm like, I'm saying 12 tests to go. Well, I'm actually really pleased this has happened because I think it will put us in good stead. Is it ideal? No. Um, but the All Blacks have never had excuses in the past, and we keep talking about resting guys and rotating guys to have a to have a 24 or a 34 that can win the World Cup. Well, we've got to live it now, right? Um, you know, when you get back when you get back to Scott Barrett, I think the Scott Barrett thing's a really interesting one because I believe that we got absolutely beaten up at the breakdown, um, both against Ireland and France, and that was part of the reason why we lost the football game. So I think they've gone out there going, if we can win the if we can win the breakdown and slow their ball down, then we can start doing to them what they do to us. And if we don't win if we don't win the attacking breakdown, then we're not going to be able to get the free flowing rugby that we want to play. Now on top of that, I'm expecting and hoping to see some innovation in our attack patterns because I think we're so we've been so predictable over the last ten years, and look, it's worked for us. So don't get me wrong, but I just think if you have a slow ruck, teams know exactly what we're going to do. They've got this incredibly fast line speed, which then slows your second ruck up, and then you don't get that roll on. And when you look at Ireland, and when you think about Jamison Gibson Park and Sexton, who are a big part of their new attacking system, it's all around front football and winning that breakdown, right? So I think the Scott Barrett selection is is at that. I doubt if he'll carry too much tomorrow. I think his job will be to be incredibly physical at the breakdown. I think Scott's biggest challenge is sometimes he gets that that aggression and over-aggression wrong. <laughs> when he's trying to be a, a real aggressor at the ruck, sometimes he, get, he gets that wrong and, it, and it's a yellow card or a red card. So, you know, that will be his challenge. But I understand totally why they've done it. Yeah, yeah, and I think as well. There's a number of players too who will be coming out of a what I think is a, 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 a environment playing with great confidence, and he's one of those. Sam Whitelock on his performance against the Blues, one of those. Lester Fanganuka was no surprise to me, given the form he was showing, the consistency of game time he started to get at the back end of the competition, and then the fact that Caleb Clark is underdone, who's not going to be ready. You know, uh, Severo Reese's form, you can't argue with the fact he's been scoring tries, the primary role of an outside back. So there's a lot to like about this. Probably the biggest surprise for me, JK, when I looked across the uh, the All Black 23, though, was very much around the role of the reserves are going to play. And the decision with Scott Barrett at playing at six, he's clearly the cover at lock, which I think in some ways compromises us late in the game. And, and given the amount of work that he would have done during the game, if he has to go to lock, I mean, I think it locks a really important position in terms of having an impact and having a fresh player who can come on and, and give you a different target at line-out time, but also bring a new energy to a, to a front row and, and, and scrum time. But they've decided Peter Gussowakula is that impact player that they're looking for. The surprise, too, like for Roger to have asked a check, I'm disappointed for him because 
you know, clearly at the moment they don't necessarily want to reshuffle the back line too much or they don't want to have someone who doesn't have experience. Um, and that's what Braden Enor, he hasn't played a number of test matches, but at least he's been there before. But can this, this eight, this next eight, can they bring us a lift off the bench we maybe didn't see in 2021? No. 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 No, no. I think, um, I think for the first time, um, for a long time, the bench is probably not where you'll go early. Uh, I think possibly front row you might. Uh, but I don't think they're going to see the bench as the difference. Probably Peter Gus might be someone that'll come on, but I don't think I don't think if everything's going well in the in the fifty five. And I could be wrong, but I don't think if everything's going well, they'll be making many changes. I think Whitelock and Retallick are going to have to play eighty, and I think um, I think they will. I don't know where they're going to put Peter Gus on. You know, they might they might take Barrett off when the tank's empty. And put Artie, you know, put Artie at six, who, who who probably is more used to playing eighty minutes. So I, I think for the first time in a long time, the bench is probably not as impactful as we would hope. You know, I, I agree with you around the Roger Tuivasa Sheck thing. I think he's the same as Peter Gus, and I also think the combination that he has with, um, you know, with with Rico would be for me the reason I would have put him on the bench, like. You've got every excuse in the world to lose this test match, right? So just why, why don't you know? Braden has had not a great season, um, and he comes in late. What do you, what do he fly up Wednesday and he's on the bench? Yeah. You know, Rogers. And he's not a twelve, eh? He's not yeah. a twelve either. So you know. Yeah. So, so for you, what's the cover at twelve? What's the cover in this group? Are you are you? Would they move Rico Yuani into twelve? Yeah. Would they? But that would be the option. Oh, right? Nuku into and, centre, <laughs> you know. Yeah, or but, but but and this is the other side of it. Are they just? Is this not the perfect opportunity to go? You know what, Geordie, Can you just come forward at training a little bit? Come forward. But this is this whole reshuffle thing because if you did that, guess who's going back to full back? You're having to move no, back to full no, back, and then no, you're go, wrong. Yeah, no, yeah. no, you're wrong. No, you're wrong. Richie Moanga is going to go to fullback now. They're going to leave like if you put Bowden Barrack to fullback and bring Moanga on at ten, man, that's not you're not giving you're not giving Bodie the the heads up saying this is your football team go win us the World Cup. So what you're saying, Sir John Kerwin, is that Richie Moanga's impact for the All Blacks, not just for this test maybe, is going to be at fullback going forward. So Bowden Barrett remains at ten for the whole game. Is that what you're saying? Can I give you a yes and no answer? Is that possible? Of yes. course you can, because that's what you do. Exactly. You are well, you're one of the best at <laughs> Exactly. So, yes, I believe, and this is my personal belief, that if we're going to win the next World Cup, we need to have one first five as in charge of the football team. Now, I think if we were 10 test matches in, and it's either Mwanga or it's Bowden Bad, whoever they choose, Right, that person needs to play the next ten matches as first five for eighty minutes, or five, or four. But and then you can start taking them off for ten minutes for tiredness. But I just think that if they think that Bowden Barrett is the number ten that's going to drive the football team forward, and this will split a country because half will say that it's Moana, and I I don't have an opinion on that. But what I do have an opinion on is if you are going to make one of those, uh, then he needs to play the 80 minutes. 
and the person that comes off the bench uh, needs to come off the bench and play fullback, and then we play that full that two fullback game that we spoke about. Um, I think I've seen enough of Moana at fullback in the defensive patterns to not worry about it. Um, you know, his height might be an issue if they're doing competitive high balls, but as can't question his courage or his ability. So I don't think we'd lose anything. So it's my opinion, it's my technical opinion, whether they do that or not, it's another one. Yeah, and look, I, I tend to agree with you. As a fact, I don't, I, don't, um, I don't look at the two of them in isolation. I look at them together and I look at the, what's in the best interest right now. And to your point, we need someone to drive the ship for a long period of time. And through the body of last year, when Richie Moonga made that decision to stay at home, you got the sense that it was Bowden team, and he got to drive it. He got to run that run the, and he showed clearly not just through that campaign, I believe, last year, but what he did in Super Rugby Pacific this year. That he's informed, he's confident, he's playing well. The only thing that that still concerns me about is the responsibility of goal kicking in a Test match for the All Blacks. Do you think it's his or is it Geordie Barrett's? If the two of them are on the field, is it Geordie Barrett's? In the long term. Yeah, and Moana's in the short term. So I think that I personally believe that Bowden plays better when he's not kicking. Um, I just think it's something that he's probably done as a first five because he's had to. I don't think he's passionately in love with it. Uh, I think Geordie's passionately in love with it, and I think Moana is probably an in-between. But I don't believe Bowden plays as well when he's got the kicking responsibility. So I think Jordan... Geordie has that responsibility, and then Moana comes on, he has it. And Bodie continues to drive the football team, and I've got no issues with that. I don't, I don't think there's any written law, is there, that your 10 has to be the kicker? Not at all. It's whoever we feel as though is going to do the best job and enables that player to be the best player they can be. All right. Uh, the last time the All Blacks lost, you were playing. I was on the sideline at Eden Park. And bottom line, you look at this and you go, this is the July Test Series in New Zealand. It's at Eden Park, the very first test match. Yes, Ireland have given us bottles, won three of the last five test matches. On Sunday, on the breakdown, you proceeded to say that you felt Ireland would go into this test as favourites, given what they'd achieved in the last five, right? Not, and that's not, the only, not only that, not only that, by the way. No, no not only right. that. And, and their performance in Six Nations, they've just lost one test match, and that was to France this year. Given all of that, though, this is the All Blacks at Eden Park, JK on the first test match of a mid-year tour, not November. I mean, clearly, clearly we should be, we should be hot. No way, no way Goldie. I can't, I can't believe you're even saying that, right? And, and here's my logic behind it. Here's my logic behind it. The Irish side have been together for seven weeks during Six Nations. They lost to one side very closely. That side, I believe, is one of the best sides in the world with us, right? So they've been together seven weeks. Their players have the same rest system as we have. So they protect their players. So they're not, you know, they've been taken out of games to make sure that they're ready for this tour. I believe that Ireland have a massive, big, hairy goal of winning in, on New Zealand soil, right? The third thing is we traditionally play poorly in our first test match. We should be going in as underdogs. That doesn't mean I don't think we'll win. But I think it's going to be like a Lions series where it's going to go down to the last second or a decision that could go against us. 
there is no way we are favourites. We are totally the underdogs because of all those things I spoke about. And then you add on top of that COVID, right? Would you be way more confident of Havili being out there, you know? Would you be way more confident with all our loose forwards available on the blind side rather than playing Scott Barrett? Yes, we would. So there's a whole lot of things in the mix. Now, I don't think we'll lose, but we could lose, but I think it'll be by one and two points, and it might break that Eden Parkuda. And I'm only saying that with underdogs because of those set of factors that have led us into, into this. I mean, you know, we have no combinations out there tomorrow. When was the last time, if ever, Tupai has played with Rico? They played last year. No, they didn't play together last year. They've actually played a few games together. So I'm not, I'm not necessarily concerned about that. This is, but, but by what you're saying there, this is, in your view, and is this anywhere near the best All Black side we're going to see right now? Or we've got a lot of changes to make in the next two best weeks. Best available, mate. Best available. Right, best available. I, I think it's the best available. I mean, you and I could could debate Roger to shit coming off the bed, but, but that, give or take, it's the best available. That I'm not worried about that. And like I say, I'm still backing the All Blacks, but I think if we're going to lose a Test match, it's going to be this one, for all those reasons I just stated. And I think it's going to go down to the wire. Now, if it doesn't, if it doesn't, man, we win three blocks. So, but interesting though, you say that, JK, you talk about all of those things in regards to Ireland. So there's no surprises for us now, though. Like, if we've done our homework, we've done our homework for six months. We actually saw it on Wednesday night against the Māori All Blacks, exactly how they're going to play. And so we, we, we have to be prepared for that. Now, if we're, as, if we're as good as we think we are, or we should be as an All Black side, right? If we're as talented as we are, and I've got, I think this Ireland team is a great team. <laughs> Well-coached, well-prepared, well-planned team. Great systems. But bottom line, man for man, I don't still see them as being superior as to the All Blacks. So if we're prepared for what the challenge is, these players, most of them were there last year. There's a couple of newbies, of course. Peter Gassawakula is, is a newbie. But most of these guys were there last year. Surely if, if we are as good as we should be or could be, we should deliver again on this stage. I mean, but this is this is is this not this is this not the time, or will we have to wait because it's the first test for us to take the big step forward, or is that going to take time? Yeah, how did how did that talent go, and that X factor that we've got um, when we don't win the when we don't win the uh, the breakdown, and our attack system is a bit predictable, so the opposition, if they've got if they're winning the vantage line, can get off the line. How did that go? You know, you could go back to the Irish game. You and I are on the sideline in Ireland. And if Bowden Barrett, you know, scores that try or, you know, if, if, if Akita Ioane scores that try, that was called back as a forward pass last year, you know, we, we win. So there will be moments. But, and I think we can win it for sure. But unless we're going to bring something different that they haven't seen to catch them off guard, um, you know, it's going to be a long, hard evening. And I don't think, I think we'll win, but I think we're going to win by one or two and we could lose by one or two. And, you know, I don't think in the whole scheme of things, it's going to, it, it, it's going to be a blowout. I just don't think it can happen. First test, all those reasons, I think it's going to be an epic. And I think the greatest thing for me is if we do win this, you know, and Peter Gus or Kula comes on and the game's tight and he, and he shows his X-Factor, 
it's going to be great for our confidence moving forward. But this is probably the biggest gain in a long, long time. Because are we going to make excuses about COVID after the game? Are we going to say, oh, we should have scored that try, but we didn't? I think we're out of those. We've got to start looking at, yeah, Ireland are a world-class side that are going to, I believe, be there or thereabouts in the next World Cup, and so are France. So are we number two in the world at the moment? Are we going to get a scalp back, or are we going to um, continue to struggle with our attack patterns under pressure, um, winning the – and look, I think the coaches are aware of this, man. I'm not telling I'm not telling anyone anything they don't know, and that's why they've, they've picked Scott Barrett. They've picked a side – you know, Retallick's going to have to have a huge physical impact on this game. Sam Whitelock's going to have to have a game like he had in the final. Scott Barrett's going to have to be devastating at the breakdown, right? We're going to have to bring something new, especially from the ruck out 15 yards because they will be coming off the line and they'll be ready for our pods, right? I mean, you remember the last time that we played them? They were tackling guys off the ball and the ref let them get away with it. But, hey, it is what it is. So if I'm worried about one test, it's tomorrow. Okay, so the Southern Hemisphere, it's not just happening in New Zealand. So we'll react to that over the course of the next seven days after the Test match tomorrow night. If we think about what's happening over the course of the weekend, Wales are heading south to play South Africa. Australia are taking on England, and Argentina are taking on Scotland. Right. So the Southern Hemisphere back in action. Japan are playing France. Always interested to see how that plays out for Japan, given the fact that that, that team that is still trying to get a consistent performance at the highest level. But they had a good one last weekend. But if we, if we look at the Southern Hemisphere, which which team, which other Southern Hemisphere team is under the most threat? I don't know what South Africa are going to bring. I just don't know what South Africa is going to bring. I mean, we're used to seeing them in Super Rugby. We haven't seen them. Um, I don't know what the effect of their local competition will be. Um, Wales probably the most disappointing they've been in the in the recent um, Six Nations, you know, went from winners to losers. So I think they're under a hell of a lot of pressure. Um, I, I think Aussie will be the, the biggest losers. I think, um, you know, yeah, I think Dave Rennie, I think the improvement of Super Rugby um, Pacifica over the last little while, some some new guys stepping up, uh, forget his name, you know, the standoff from the Waratahs. I can see them starting to get some depth, you know. Um, so John Cooper, they are back at Quake Cooper. Yeah. Well, I, I, look, I think he came into the side last year and gave them confidence, but they'll need to bring in, um, you know, they'll they'll need to bring in some of these young guys. But I just think Dave Rennie will have them organised very well. Will they deal with the with the aggression? Don't know. Will they deal with that sort of breakdown? And I think the biggest thing over the weekend of football for us to probably talk about on the breakdown is the breakdown. You know. Yeah. Are we going to see it riff differently? You know that we're more on our feet in the north, in the southern hemisphere, but more off their feet in the northern hemisphere. But I think they've got the balance right in the northern hemisphere between you know the kicking game, the the, the tough game, and the expansive game. And I think that's where where there could be some differences. I look at that series across. The Tasman, I think, is probably the, the, the big one for me, for both coaches, for Eddie Jones and Dave Rennie, about are, are you making progress? Because Eddie Jones has talked about his young group. He's got these young players, Mark Smith, first 5'8". You know, he's going, well, this guy's he's a, he's a potential superstar. But he's he's in, like all teams are, right? We're in the same situation we keep talking about. The number of test matches we have this year, the limited number of test matches you have next year in preparation for a Rugby World Cup. 
I think for a number of these teams, and particularly I look at Australia and going, well, your circumstances aren't going to get any better because all your players are available. You've got everyone available. They didn't have them end of year tour. Everyone is fit and available and ready to go. We're no different in terms of we've lost some through COVID. The, the Argentina one's the real, I suppose, one I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing them play again. And and I'm hoping they can get some footing. So Michael Cech is in charge there, right? There, is just, there are coaches. There, these are Southern Hemisphere coaches. They're everywhere. Wayne Pivak, remember, he's in charge of Wales. The Southern Hemisphere is listed with this, you know, these Southern Hemisphere coaches coming back. You know, Scotland are that team that every so often pops their head up, right? What are you hopeful for for Argentina this season? Is it just a little bit of normality? Yeah, I think they're the hardest done by. You know, I, I don't know what their future looks like. The, you know, pre-Super Rugby, they were all playing in France and Italy, and they probably did better than when they've been in Super Rugby, right? So I think they made the top four in France. So, you know, I, I think they've got the hardest road to hope um, because where have their players been, you know? Where have they been playing? At what level they've been playing, you know? Besides Matera, we probably don't know where their football team is, so will they be underdone? Yeah. Um, I think the, I, I think across the Tasman, I don't think Dave Rennie's under any pressure because they've picked him to perform at next year's World Cup. I think Eddie Jones is under pressure constantly just because he's gone through a cycle. I think he's probably under the same sort of pressure. Not that I think there'll be change because I don't think rugby does that, but he's under the same pressure as Ian Foster. I mean, you've had this football team a while now. You've been assistant for... You know, four years, you've had the football team for two and a half, and we need to start seeing some results from how you want to play the game. And I think that's what they'll be saying to Eddie Jones. I mean, it's hard when you've got the English media because they're all over him. But, you know, he's recycling his football team now, 12 test matches out. I mean, he's got Six Nations next year, which I think is a way bigger bonus than what we had. But still, he's got to settle on a football team if he wants to get back to the final. You know, anything less for him will be failure. Whereas Dave Rennie is very different. I think he's still building his football team and he's got less time to develop that. So, but I think they'll be the biggest movers. What about, if I say I'm going to throw a curveball at you, just to finish get off. My, get my bat ready. These are the, well, these are some names that are all of a sudden playing international rugby again. Malakai Fikatol, Israel Falau, Charles Piotel. There's a Tua Tavaki on the left wing. I'm assuming that's Anthony. There could, there's a number of the Tua Tavakis who are still playing rugby. But bottom line, Tonga, I mean, this is a this is a huge moment in the world game, right? That all of a sudden, players who have played on the major stage have become eligible back for their birthright country. Amazing. So, and we think, guess who they're playing, though? They're playing Fiji, who have had a team inside Super Rugby Pacific now, who played the All Blacks last year. Quite often, this game would fall under the radar, right? Awesome. To me, this this is awesome, awesome, right? This is this is a this is a massive moment and weekend for them because, and it's it's on Sky this weekend. Yeah. So this is an opportunity yeah. for people to enjoy watching some of the best in the world go back and play and deliver and have the opportunity to deliver. I, I mean, I just think for me, it's just a you know, I'm I'm really proud of where we've got to yeah. right now is the fact that we've seen Moana Pacifica. We've seen the Fijian Drua, and now we've got this. I mean, inter- the international game is going to be different from here on in, right? There is a, every time an international window opens, for all of these teams 
we're possibly going to see the best players in the world play, and that's the fantastic. The world game would have failed itself if one of the Pacifica teams does not make the top four in the next two World Cups. I totally believe that. I think Fiji will be the best. I think Fiji and Tonga will have a problem with international level locks and forward packs that are um, are ready for the intensity of the game at that level. I think if the Fijian side can bring that football team they brought down last year with the European superstars and a forward pack that's now used to playing with the Drua, I think it's going to be an amazing football game. Tonga a little less. I think they've probably got a little bit more work to do up front. Um, and I don't think because of their Moana Pacifica's sort of funny season with COVID, a lot of, I, I think Fiji would, for me, would have to be the favourites in that. Um, but I think it's just an incredibly exciting time. You know, Jordan Tokua playing for um, playing for Samoa, you know, and that's what we wanted. We've got it, and you know, we, we're, we're quick to criticise world rugby, but take our hats off to them. That's going to be an amazing game. Yeah, and, and and this is what we wanted. This is what we've got. And like I say, in some ways, the results are relevant now. Is the fact that we finally got it started, right? But they they themselves know that the players Mate, want to come back. And, and they, want to on call? they want to be on call. They want to be on call. Scotland, you know, Italy, yeah. all those fringe top ten teams. Japan, they are now on. They are now on notice, man, because these teams are coming, and I love that. Yeah, and and particularly, and all of a sudden too. Once rankings change, then pools change at Rugby World Cups. Those, and that changes significantly, you know, that, that, that the path that you can throw and, and make your way through to the top, top level. Okay, Test Match Rugby is returning to New Zealand. We sort of shouldn't, we sort of, yeah, yeah it's almost falling under, it's falling under a radar as well because we've had such high profile games at Super Rugby Pacific. But this is, so tomorrow in Eden Park, it, it, once again, hopefully it's going to be a celebration, right? From the How good. I'm, I'm, I'm at the airport at the moment. Everyone's so excited about it. People wearing all black jerseys. Test match is back. And I'll give you a bet to put on if you want. Bowden Barrett, to win the test match, we win by two points with a late drop kick. There you go. <laughs> the TAB, no, you're, you're any time drop goal <laughs> option. You're waiting. I can tell. You've had a little wee collect, a little wee taste of it. There was Richie Moanga who delivered for the Crusaders, even though that hurt your own blues yeah. at the time, JK. I think we can forgive you when you're talking about making money. All right, mate, travel safe. Let's, uh, we'll talk soon. See you tomorrow. But, uh, uh, thanks so much, Andrew.